I'm Julie Burstein, and I'm here with Dick Nodell for Work Mysteries. Hi, everybody. Dick, this week in Spark, I talk with two artists, the photographer Joel Meyerowitz and the writer Maggie Barrett. And one of the things I loved about my conversation with the two of them, they're, they're married, and they have been working together on a new book, which will come out in the fall, is hearing them talk about how differently they see the world and how much they cherish the way that by bringing those two differences together they create something entirely new. And I know difference is something you talk about a lot. What did you hear in their conversation? Well, I was struck very much by the same thing, which is that they, as a marriage, seem to have developed certain disciplines of I think of it as a kind of interpersonal contemplative discipline where they have found ways of being able simply to speak in such a way that the other can listen and then listen in certain ways that invite the other to speak more. And that that particular conversational style, which runs through the entire interview, holds them together so that the differences are highlighted while the alliance continues to hold them in relationship to each other. It's so interesting you say that because I'm thinking about sitting across from them in Maggie's beautiful office, which is in their apartment, and they sat together on a sofa, and there was a real attention that they paid to each other when one was speaking, the other was so completely focused and listening. Well, I was struck by that. It, it has to do... There was a metaphor, I believe it was Joel who, who first started using it. They talked about revitalizing the marriage and how that they needed new challenges, new novelties, and that they, I think it was Joel again who was saying that he had to surrender to the disturbance of the novelty in order to be revitalized. And it seemed that he was actually speaking that as a a cyclical catalyst that they have in their marriage, that they need this third thing, this other thing that both of them can focus on and argue about and have their differences together. But by focusing on this third thing, they then are able to reconstruct and redesign their marriage too. Yeah, there's a wonderful passage where the two of them speak of editing the book, because editing is a very different kind of work than generating. And... Joel talked about how they dance together, and so they understand each other's rhythms in terms of both the words and the images. What they're showing, without actually naming it, though, is they're showing us how they fight. And it's not a big fight, it's not an ugly fight, it doesn't have a lot of charge on it. They probably would know better than we do how much charge it has on it. But what's so striking about it is that it's only in their fighting that they have developed trust with each other. Maggie was quite explicit about that. And that fighting, dis conflict is really just two different points of view on the same idea. That, that they're talking about the ways that they deal with conflict within their work, where one may think one way and one may think the other. As they were talking to each other, I heard each time they would speak to each other, they would in some way as a first step embrace or restate or in some way recalibrate what the other had said before 
going on with their own point of view. So that there was an automatic bridge being built of mutual understanding every step of the way. You know, if I were to think about it in terms of the ways that my husband and I have conversations, for me, that quality of listening that Maggie and Joel had for each other is something I don't think my husband and I have enough of. Maybe because of a time issue and maybe because nobody's interviewing us. You know, if we were being interviewed, it might be a different thing. But that was one of the, the most powerful things I took away is that how important kind of active listening is with the person who you're closest to. Well, it was an active listening, but it was based on, again, I think Maggie signaled this out, that there's some fundamental complementarity of their values. Um, I want to take a step to the side for a moment, which is that one of the great mythologies that we all grow up with in terms of couples is that uh, differences attract. Um, the fact is that certain differences attract, but there are certain fundamental similarities that are really necessary for successful long-term marriages. And one of them is the sense of a kind of emotional temperature having to be the same. In, in their case, I would say both of them are intuitive feeling types, just to try to categorize something there, so that they're temperamentally aligned. Um, one assumes that their uh, aver aversion to and attraction to conflict has to be more or less similar. So those are things that are built in that we can't pay enough attention to because that's not what they're talking about, but it allows them to talk. Um, I want to come back to what you were saying about your own husband. It seems to me that there has to be some common understandings of those temperamental values and similarity that then allow you to do exploring the differences. So um, I don't know whether you do this, <laughs> but it's often useful just to start on where do you agree? Mm -hmm. Where do you see things uh, similarly and so on? Let, let me just add an interesting yes. piece. Joel talked a lot about seeing the work as separate. And I kept hearing him talking about seeing the marriage itself in the same way that he saw the work, so that he could see the marriage and what it was they were talking about, like when he used choreography, that there was something out there called the marriage that he was looking at, and that he was composing with Maggie's mutual participation. That's interesting. Is that the way, when you think about marriage and relationships, do you often talk about it as... It's not me or you, it's this thing that we make together. I mostly talk about it that way, that there's this third thing that has to be a construct that um, has several different elements, like all marriages, not all couples, but all marriages, for instance, have some business component where they have to really operate like a business and they have to think like business people and there's finances and there's those kind of stresses. And then there are these places where the marriage has to be more expansive. Whatever it is that the fun and the joy of the marriage is based on, there has to be an investment in that, a series of conversations that support that. Otherwise, the default habits of, what you do today, honey, take over. <laughs> so, what are your recommendations for keeping a focus and an investment in 
those parts of a, a marriage or relationship that are what what brought you together in the first place? Well, let me take again another step back, which is we're using as a model here a, a relationship that is of two artists who are clearly what we might call journeyers, people who have set themselves on a kind of uh, Emersonian self-perfectionism as their life goal. Their marriage would only work for them because of that. They are journeyers. Um, most couples, most marriages don't base themselves on that. So there has to be a different set of premises. Having said that, it's very important for every marriage to know its own story, which means that each individual in the marriage has to know the other one's story. There has to be some way that they tell that story together. I even think that it's useful to have practice telling that in social circumstances. Again, Joel and Maggie have actually written books that tell that story, so they're very precise about how to do that. I mean, it's a nice model that way. But I think all couples really need to have their own narrative. Another way to say that is, what are they doing together? And by the way, having kids together is not an answer. Because <laughs> the kids need to be essentially on the journey with the parents, whatever that is. Now, it's funny, because I'm about to ask you a question that I'm allergic to when people ask <laughs> me, you know, about, all right, how do I become more creative? Are there steps to take? But... Um, you know, especially listening to Joel and Maggie, who've been together for more than 20 years, and they've also made a, a huge change in their lives in that they've let go of a house that meant a lot to them in order to be able to pursue a new kind of life. Not all of us can do those sorts of things, but hearing you talk about this, it makes me think, are there three things that someone could go home and do today to say, all right, how do I reinvigorate this relationship, which means so much to me, but may have gotten caught up in the, the, the daily struggles of everyday life. Well, there are such simple things that I think we hardly ever think about them. Uh, for instance, I wonder how many couples literally take a walk just so that they can talk to each other. Not as exercise, not as some part of their program, um, but simply we're going to go take a walk, a hike up that particular hill today and take a look around on the other side. And we'll just, we don't really have an agenda, but we'll just see what we have to talk about. That's an oddly simple thing that hardly anybody ever does. Um, I think another thing that's very simple is to take a look at habits and routines and which are the ones that are boring. And being able to say to each other, you know, I don't like doing that. Can we do that in a different way, or can we skip doing that this week? That's a big thing. It sounds like a little thing, but it could be a big thing. It could be as simple as one couple we were just talking about recently, for some reason the, the check getting, kept getting paid by the wife, and uh, even though money wasn't a problem between them, the simple, she wanted him to pay. She just wanted him to pay. And once we found that out, that made a huge difference in the marriage. <laughs> so that it's discovery of those little things that matter to the other one. And then one final piece. This, I know this sounds like pablum, but it's really an extraordinary discipline. If you just decide that I want to do something, one thing today that will please my partner. 
I'm not even going to tell my partner what it is. But I'm going to dedicate myself one little thing that will make her life easier or his life better. It automatically takes you out of a habit. Dick Nodell, thank you so much. This is a work mystery and a life mystery, I think, today. <laughs> Thanks, Julie. I think so, too.